This is a fantastic story, fellas. Two Yankees playing in the house that we built, both going after his red. It's great for baseball. Holy cow! There it goes! Back to the wall! It's gone! Maris comes over from Kansas City. First year with the team, he beats Mickey out for the MVP. You're telling me Mano wouldn't be pissed off that Maris doesn't have something to prove? How about the home run record? You think you got a shot at the bait? I think if anybody's going to do it, it's going to be Mickey. It's pretty amazing the guy can play at all, considering how much pain he's in. Maybe if he took better care of himself, he wouldn't be injured so much. It's a tough time not to have fun. You can write what you want, Sam. The fans love this guy. They love him. How come Maris never smiles? He's having the season of his life, and he looks like a zombie. Number seven. <laughs> it says 80% of the fans are rooting for Mickey. Well, I guess that seems right. Yeah. Why is that? I don't know, maybe I'm not a New York kind of guy, Sam. I'm just some dumb redneck from North Dakota. As for the M&M boys, I'm told there's a feud growing between... Are we feud? Yeah, I guess so. It's on TV. Now there's a couple of huckleberries out there letting Roger know they don't want him to play the loose record. Can you believe this? They're booing him in his own ballpark. That'd be they've only got room in their hearts for one guy. I don't know, sweetheart. You guys are all over him day and night. A film by Bill Crystal. You're like a movie star to these people, you know? Oh. For me, if I don't want to talk about things and I just want to play ball, what does that make me? I mean, does it make me the bad guy? There's no bad guy, Ross. Thomas Jane. Barry Pepper. 61. Welcome to Small Screeners, where we look at direct-to-video and made-for-TV movies. I'm Chris. I've got AJ here with me as usual. Say hello, AJ. Hey, what's up, guys? We're here today to discuss the, was it 2001 HBO? Yeah, 2001. 2001 HBO film, 61, uh, with an asterisk, which is, I didn't realize how important that asterisk was until I watched the movie. Yeah, um, it's kind of everything. <laughs> yeah, basically based on the true story of the home run race between uh, Mickey Mantle and Roger Maris in, uh, was it in 1961? It was in 1961. It's an easy way to remember it, yeah. (laughs) Double meaning. So before we get into actually talking about the movie, which I had never seen, this was uh, your pick for this episode, and I had long kind of been curious about the movie because I kind of like sports movies in general, uh, Mm -hmm. but I never caught this one. And I like a lot of people that are in a lot of the cash I'm fans of. So why did you pick uh, 61? Well, I, I mean, I'm biased because I love it the way I do, but I mean, that's that's really it. I think it is up there with the very best movies that HBO ever made as originals for their service, starting from back in the 80s when they started to yesterday. I I just think it's a remarkable movie. It blew me away when I saw it. And I, you know, like baseball, or I mean, I did when it first came out, I, I came to love it a lot more after the movie and I, i'm not saying the movie had anything to do with it uh, it could be that i was older and got to watch the giants win some shit but that's neither here nor there it just it, it came out of nowhere for me and i thought it was amazing and when we were talking about doing this for the podcast uh, that we'd be able to do movies like this it immediately was like oh well i i want to do that at some point i just i knew at some point we had to do it i wouldn't make you do it you could be like, dude, I hate baseball. I hate sports movies. Tom Jane fucked my mom. I mean, you can say anything, and I would have fought you tooth and nail on it. That's how much 
I, I knew I wanted to do this movie and it's because I love it so much. And I, and I just do think, you know, it is one of the best things they ever did. So that's why Chris <laughs> and sorry about your mom. He seems like a nice guy. Hi, have you seen, you've seen Tom Jane? Come on. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I get it. You know, uh, yeah, I introduce him to my mom. Hell. <laughs> I actually do hate baseball, uh, in, in general. And I don't, I mean, hate <laughs> is a strong word. I hate watching baseball. <laughs> Yeah. So it's, but I mean, that doesn't affect my ability to enjoy baseball movies. I like some hockey movies, even though I can't stand watching hockey. The only sports I really follow uh, are basketball and uh, mixed martial arts. So any of the other sports, I don't really have much uh, affection for. But you do but, love sports movies. But yeah, I, I like the, you know, the camaraderie of the teammates and stuff and, and like the, you know, chasing glory and all that stuff, even if it's not in a sport that I'm a fan of, like I kind of can enjoy those types of stories anyway. And I'm sure you like to root for the underdog. Oh, who doesn't? I mean, we're American. Who wants John Jones to win? That's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. (laughs) So yeah, I'm with you there. Uh, So tell me, tell me, tell me, you didn't see this before you watched this blind for our little endeavor here. mm -hmm. What'd you think? Chris hit me. Lay it on. (laughs) I gotta say it was awesome. I really, really liked it. And you know, there are a lot of things about it that are great. I think the the main thrust of what I thought made it great was Barry Pepper and Thomas Jane. They were both amazing uh, as as uh, as Roger Maris and Mickey Mantle. Uh, the whole cast was really good. It, it's it's a murderer's row when we come. We'll get to who's in it, but I mean, it's just dude after dude of like, oh, oh, oh. <laughs> You're never unhappy to see any of these guys pop up and they're all just, you know, little scene assassins. They show up and kick yeah. ass and then they're gone again and it, <laughs> until they're needed again, if need be. Yeah. So, yeah, I thought it was great. It kind of I'm assuming because I don't know a whole lot about the background. I'm assuming um, this was made, you know, on the heels of the home run race in the late 90s. Was it, I think, 97 or 98? When McGuire and Sosa were trying to break that record to, to break Maris's record. Yeah, uh, I mean, that's how it's bookended the movie is. Right. You know, how uh, McGuire finally breaks his record. Yeah. I know that Billy Crystal had wanted to do something about the Yankees uh, for a while and about Mickey Mantle because Mickey Mantle was his favorite baseball player. Billy Crystal, I think, saw a lot of, lot of those games mm-hmm. uh, that season. And on... The DVD, there's a, a making of that they had on on HBO, you know, when they would just show like a 40-minute making of between movies and stuff. Right. Uh, they put that as an extra on the DVD, and there's footage of him on some 70s talk show. I think Dinah Shore, Billy Crystal's on there because of soap, and Mickey Mantle's mm-hmm. there because he's fucking Mickey Mantle. <laughs> and Billy Crystal knew, I guess, that Mickey Mantle was going to be there, or he's just the kind of fan that carried around a Mickey Mantle fucking baseball card in his pocket all the time. But you have footage of them talking, and and I guess they got to be friends, and it was very, very personal to Billy. And you can tell watching the movie that this is all done out of – that's one of the reasons why it's one of my favorite sports movies ever, period. Any sport is because you can just tell it loves baseball, It and it comes at it from a very pure place. It, it deals with some of the less awesome elements of organized sports and the business aspects of it and then the yeah. fan and we'll get into all that but you can tell that billy's not he, he he's not coming at it from a cynical place he loves this team he loves these guys and like you said one of the huge 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 coups for the movie one of the greatest things about it is those two guys he did say that too in the making of that he could not have gotten luckier if you see pictures or footage of old roger maris they look a lot alike really 
that he looks a lot like Barry Pepper, or Barry Pepper looks a lot like him. That I think there's footage of him saying, of Billy Crystal saying, when I saw Saving Private Ryan, I was like, that's fucking Roger Maris. And as far as Mickey Mantle goes, Thomas Jane worked very hard to capture his mannerisms. And I mean, you know, that's Billy Crystal. That's your director's favorite uh, athlete in his life, period. You want to get it right for him. And apparently he did. Didn't play baseball at all going into it. That's something that he said in the making of. He's like, uh, Mm. when they go to coach him, he said, well, I I can tell you this. I ain't got no bad habits. And they're (laughs) like, oh, shit. And they had to teach him how to swing from both sides of the plate because Mickey was a switch hitter. Whereas... Barry Pepper had been an athlete, and I think you can tell that too when you watch the movie that Barry Pepper can ball. That dude's out there, like he looks <laughs> like he can he can he can play some baseball. It's cool. And I am babbling. I'm sorry. I will do that again, I'm sure, during this. I love this movie so much, but <laughs> I'll rein it in a little bit because I did want to ask you, if we're talking about the movie as a whole, do you think it works good not just as a sports drama? You know, because it does have the, like we were talking about, the, the camaraderie of the team, which the movie's got. We'll get into that when we talk about the cast, I'm sure. But the ups and downs of a of a race, not a pennant race in this movie, a home run right. race, which you don't really see in other movies. But it's still the competition of it, and there's numbers involved. So you can always follow it, and who's in the lead, and all that shit. It's got all those things. But do you find it was an effective examination of sport itself, not just baseball, but like fandom. And because the movie clearly has bigger things on its mind. Do you think it was successful at the way it chose to explore those areas uh, beyond actually just being a typical sports movie with a big game at the end? You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. I mean, there's meant there's references and stuff to the Yankees trying to get, get the lead in the, in their, in the standings and kind of trying to hold it and stuff. But for the most part, they're pretty much always, you know, in the lead. Like it's not about the team so much. It's just the pressure that those two guys are on, especially dealing with the press and, and the fan base and stuff. And so there are still like, there are stakes, but they're not the same, not the typical stakes of a sports movie. Like them trying to, 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 uh, win the world series and whatnot. Yeah. They do kind of mention that none of it really matters unless they're win the series, mm-hmm. but they kind of, it's not that they act like it's a foregone conclusion, but they don't seem worried about making it. They want to get there and win it. But the rest of it, yeah, is, is chiefly concerned with who's winning and then uh, who's winning the home run race and how the public and the press is responding to that, which is the meat of the movie. Yeah. And the families like mostly, uh, Maris's family. <laughs> yeah. We hear Mickey's family and never see them. Well, I mean, I think it's safe to say that Maris is the main character. You yeah. Know? Obviously, Mickey is crucial and a co-lead. I wouldn't, like, if I'm, like, if it was up to me to, like, nominate anyone for any acting awards, I'm not going to say, oh, well, you got to give Jane supporting. No, I would nominate them both for best actor. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, yeah. But I was just saying, I think it's interesting that Maris, it's kind of funny that Billy Crystal's favorite Yankee and favorite athlete of all time is mickey mantle then he makes a movie and it's mickey's there and very important and he gets Mm -hmm. to really have fun depicting mickey and his all his glory and all his flaws but it's really the story of maris's season because as we all know he's the one who broke the record right and and it was harder on him than it was mickey you know so that's where the drama is you know i um I was going to mention this earlier. I'll just kind of wedge it in here <laughs> because I, so I don't forget. I mentioned wedge away. <laughs> I mentioned I'm not, you know, really a fan of, of baseball. But when I was, you know, in my teenage years, our I think it was church, maybe a church thing, like where our people in our church would get tickets to, to Cardinals games because St. Louis is about three hours from where I live. So every summer there would be a trip to a Cardinals game, and I didn't normally go. But the year that 
home run race was going on, I actually did go. So I was at the game, and they show the clip in the movie where he ties the record. Uh, yeah. I didn't go to the game where he broke it. I don't even know if that was in St. Louis. So just to show you how much of a fan I am, I fell asleep in the stands <laughs> <laughs> during the game. Well, uh, I mean, just to, to say my background with baseball real quick, I, one of the reasons I didn't like it is because I was never good at it. It's easy to not like something if you're not good at it. I learned to be good at basketball, loved basketball. Baseball as a kid, I hated watching on TV because it was too long and boring. I could be at a game and enjoy myself being there in person, even though it did still feel kind of long. As I got older, though, I began to appreciate what seemed like bullshit, all the subtleties that, you know, the older fans would tell me about when I was a kid, like, no, baseball is about this and about this. And, you know, it doesn't bother you so much when you're focusing on these aspects of it because you really get involved in intricacies of the game. Um, and I did learn to do that as I got older, and I, I do love baseball. I did not as a kid, and I didn't. I was like, it's fine when the movie came out, but I loved the movie, and I was very invested in all the game stuff. I thought the game stuff works very well in the movie. Yeah, it the it all seems pretty natural. Like It's hard, hard for me to criticize it because I wouldn't probably know if they didn't look right. <laughs> but um, <laughs> Uh, yeah, and I, I always get a kick out of seeing a period baseball thing where they're wearing like the baggier uniforms. There's just something about that that's appealing. And, and they actually do have the big bags for the bases. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And and all the reporters are wearing the hats, you know. Putting their finger you know, on their nose, like all that old timey shit. Uh, <laughs> right. And, um, you know, again, I, I'm not a, a baseball guy, but my brother, he was a pretty good baseball player uh, when we were younger. And him and my dad are like huge Cubs fans. Uh, so the perennial losers basically <laughs> until you know, up a until a years. few years ago yeah. yeah and like i didn't care much at all about the world series but i was ha- i was really happy when they when the cubs won just for my for my brother and my dad because they had been waiting for him their whole life i was so stoked for all my friends who were cubs fans because i <laughs> yeah i knew how long they'd been hurt yeah uh, you know, and I didn't realize when the movie got going and they were mentioning the the players' names and stuff. Like, obviously, the Yankees are like they're the baseball team. Basically, they they're the the dominant baseball club in baseball history, pretty much. And but I, I was mean, surprised. Yeah, it's true. But I mean, it's also like, isn't that why people hated the Empire and Star Wars and shit? Fuck those hey, guys. I agree. <laughs> but I didn't realize that like so many baseball players that I would have like I didn't I didn't even know who Roger Maris was in 1998. But you knew Yogi Berra. Right, exactly. But I did know Yogi Berra and Whitey Ford and Mantle, obviously. Very, very storied franchise with many great players (laughs) and a lot of great things. And that's all very true. And at the risk of alienating any of our fans, I mean, any of our listeners who might be fans of the Yankees, fuck the Yankees. (laughs) I feel like that's a pretty popular opinion. Unless you live in New York. Or you're one of the bandwagon fans that like <laughs> they only cheer for the the teams that they know are always good. Well, there are people that are genuine fans. I think that were raised by bandwagon sure. fans. I'll give them that. <laughs> um, and you know what? I mean, it's a movie, and in the movie, I rooted the fuck out of the Yankees because I'm rooting for sure. those guys, and I and I loved them as characters, and I wanted to see them both do well, and I wish they could have both won. You know, all that happy, sappy, crappy horseshit. Right. But yeah, I mean, it's it, it was fun. Yankees hate or no, it was all right. But like you said, yeah, Yogi Berra. And I think it's rad how I think the movie seems to be. It feels very um, I know they fudge stuff here and there because you have to tell a story that works for the medium dramatically and everything. And sometimes you've got to condense characters or fudge details or this or that or whatever. But I know that for the most part, it's very I like Maris's hair fell out from the stress. Yeah. The thing with the X on the baseball 
happened. Mm. Getting a fucking chair thrown at him from the stands to the field happened. A lot of that shit. I mean, the the call for his uh his family, which we can talk about later, maybe. The the crazy shit happened for the most part. But I do love that they were willing to fudge it and just let most well not most, but let the Yogi Berra let Yogi Berra as a character spout off a lot of his famous lines. <laughs> yeah. You know, and you know he didn't say them all during that one season. Sure. But it's awesome to have in the movie because the dude really did say those things and mm-hmm. why not let us enjoy and luxuriate in them? You know, well, 90% of the game is half mental. Yeah. That's one of the most classic <laughs> things anybody ever said. Yeah. So yeah, that was great. And Whitey Ford, I don't know anything about him other than he's a pitcher and that Everlast name checked him in an album he did. Um, <laughs> Whitey Ford sings the blues hmm. at your local record store. Now kids know what a record store is. Um, but other than that, I, I didn't really know anything about him. And yet, Anthony Michael Hall is fucking great. <laughs> yeah. yeah, he seems to have the biggest role outside of Bob's uh, our main two. And Bob. yeah, Bob, Chris Bauer is Bob, uh, Bob Serve. Yes, Bob Serve. But yeah, Whitey Ford, uh, in the way that Anthony Michael Hall plays him, is great. And you remember, you're like, oh yeah, the, the kid was really talented. You know, he, he, he became big because he was a talented kid and then he kind of disappeared and maybe was difficult, but oh shit, he still got it. And I think not long after this is when he started doing the dead zone. So yeah. I think this did not hurt him. But look, can we talk about Chris Bauer real quick since we mentioned him? Absolutely. Yeah. At this point, I'd never seen that dude play anything that wasn't a complete creep or psychopath. <laughs> and he still does that because he does it really well. But I have seen him do other things since then, specifically The Wire. And I'm sure that getting cast in this HBO production did not hurt him getting cast in that HBO production. Yeah, uh, He's in the second season of The Wire, for those who may not know. And he's fucking smoking in it. <laughs> he's on fire. It's uh, it's an amazing performance. And I liked him so much in this. He's just a, a nice guy. You know, just a good supportive teammate, a good friend, a good dude. Just a solid Dude, dudes rock. Bob serve rocks. You know that kind of thing. And I was just like, this fucking guy. He's the, he was the fucking sick ass machine in eight millimeter. You know, I think that was my main thought of him. At the oh, time. Yeah, I haven't seen eight millimeter. That's I mostly know the first time I remember seeing Bauer is on uh, True Blood. Okay, okay, yeah, I never really watched that show. But was he a good guy or a bad guy? He was like uh, he was a cop. He might have been the sheriff. I, I'm not certain, but he was like a. Kind of a sad sack type. Okay, uh, okay. He was good in it. I, the first couple seasons of True Blood, I liked quite a bit. And then I gave up pretty early in the third <laughs> season, I think. It got a little, it just got too. It, it lost got you. Him. It okay. lost you. I yeah, it just lost me. <laughs> but no, Chris Bauer is great in this. I mean, what did you think of him? Yeah, he was really good. I, and I was kind of surprised. You know, every speaking part that popped up, it was like somebody you recognize. <laughs> and, mm-hmm. and yeah, he was really good in it. All the way down to like Seymour Cassell. Um, I'm not sure. Is that one of the broadcasters? Sam Simon. I want to oh, say he was okay. the, he was yeah. the shitty newspaper man, not the yeah. young dude who didn't fucking not the young. He would have been fine like on a tabloid. He felt more yeah. like a tabloid reporter. Yeah, he was the one that was trying to wash Babe Ruth's jock still. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and and was just kind of a dick. Yeah. Um, but Seymour Cassell, the guy from the Wes Anderson movies, or like, you know, the John Cassavetes movies and Rushmore. He was great. Richard Mazur as the main sports writer guy. Mm-hmm. I can't remember his name, Hank or something. But uh, Christopher McDonald as the sports cast or <laughs> play-by-play guy. And he was, Mal you know, Allen. one of the... A lot of the um, the this movie is like everything's old school. Like the the score is really old school. 
the the it's a the fantastic score that I'd like to. Yeah, play. it's it's very good. Yeah, and, and like the 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 act, like the performances are old school. Like Christopher McDonald doing the voice, uh, which I'm sure is pretty close to the to the real uh, Mel Allen. Uh, who was I this, feel the, like Billy Crystal wouldn't have hired him if he didn't sound almost exactly like the dude that he grew up <laughs> right. listening to. Like, really, I think that a lot of it is through Billy's prism, and that's one of the reasons why I believe that the baseball looks good. Not just because I've seen a lot of baseball games, but I feel like if it felt like bullshit too much bullshit to him or in certain areas like it couldn't feel like bullshit at all like he had to feel like that felt real and i just just the way again i saw him talk about it on the dvd you can just this was very important to him and he grew up with all of this this was huge to him as a kid (laughs) i would be willing to bet that christopher mcdonald sounds very much like mellow (laughs) yeah and i really like bruce mcgill uh as well he was he was probably the standout of like the the secondary cast to me as the manager, which he was just doing his Bruce McGill thing that he always kind of does. Yeah, which uh, is being perfect. Great it's perfect for like a hard nosed baseball manager from the sixties. <laughs> yeah, but who actually gives a shit? Yeah, <laughs> you know he's a good guy. He's no nonsense, but a good guy. And yeah, Bruce McGill—that's one of the best performances I've ever seen him give. You know, it doesn't hurt that they give him a little more to do than he has to do a lot. You know. Yeah. He gets to play a little more uh, moments. He's fantastic. Who's the fucking... Even in his small part, Donald Moffat as the commissioner, yeah. Ford Frick, a very hissable villain. Uh, for sure, yeah. Because just, just rooting for him not to break the record because he, he also, like, is on, Yeah, he's also on the babe's jock. And they point <laughs> yeah. that out in the movie, that he had been his biographer. And so this is all very personal to him. I do like that they played it in the way, or Billy had Donald play it or that's the choice he made as an actor when he's by himself and listening to like the games on the radio or or watching them or whatnot, he looks very scared. Yeah. You know, and I think that's a really, it makes it humanizes him a bit. It doesn't make you uh, empathize with him or anything. His actions are still very underhanded and, and, you know, kind of sleazy, you know, like that's just a shitty thing to do. Trying to change the rules to fuck this guy over and, or just kind of throw up any roadblock he can to do what, what he feels he can without yeah, we, openly breaking a rule to just fuck anyone over from breaking. Record. Yeah, we can, we can mention in case anybody hasn't seen this in a while or whatever, that he put the asterisk on the, the uh, record. If anybody breaks any records, post, there's like eight 61. extra games. Yeah, there's yeah, eight because extra they had expanded games the season, season to have, I think, eight more games. Yeah, so they said you could only go up to what had been the original game count, and any of the extra eight games would be counted as an asterisk. And something you no know, athlete or or coach or anything wants to hear. <laughs> no, there's an asterisk on their accomplishment. It lessens the achievement for sure, and it's bullshit for two because you know, as Mazur's character um, points out in that uh, when the scene where they're discussing it. When Babe broke the record, he was playing with more games than the year before it had, or the year that the guy who had broke it before him had had. You know, that things change. And I don't think they mentioned it, but he never played against a black man, so... That's also true. He didn't hit against any black pitchers. And I think Roger had a lot of good points. Their, Their road trips were different. There were night games that were different. They had challenges that the earlier players did not have, and it was just Ford Frick being what the Brits would call, I, th- I think they call it being bloody-minded, which, mm-hmm. you know, us over here would be calling being a dick for the sake of being a dick, <laughs> you know what I mean, just to do it. But I think that uh, getting back to Donald Moffat, 
he's only in it so much, and mostly he's in there just to be a hissable villain, and he's very good at it. But again, I like that he played those moments as scared, and I don't think it's intended for us to like suddenly, oh, he's just, you know, a guy. But it does make it, you, you get more of a sense of, of a human being there rather than just, ah, oh, he's just an evil villain. See, you know, it's right. more like his mustache. See, you know, <laughs> you get the sense that the dude is doing it. Be, you know, he has his own reasons and he's he's terrified that this thing he cares about so much is he's going to lose it. And that's, that's, it's always nice to have a little bit of nuance. <laughs> yeah. And I think the movie has a lot of that. What do you think? Do you think the movie is fair? Do you think it feels fair? Again, we weren't alive during this time. Mm-hmm. We don't, have a lot of the history built into our blood or our brains. A lot of the stuff that we know about that, we learned by watching the movie. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But like a lot of that stuff, when somebody's trying to break, like I know just from watching basketball, like when the Warriors broke the Bulls, you know, most wins in a season record, uh-huh. you know, seven or eight years ago, there were people saying, you know, well, the league is watered down now. There are more teams from expansion, you know. There's always going to be arguments. So I, I totally get like, the way it's represented in this, where there there are old school fans and reporters and media and stuff that are uh, not going to let it let the past go lightly. Basically, mm-hmm. they're always going to look for reasons to denigrate, you know, with the new the new class. So it, it definitely feels accurate from that standpoint, just from what I've seen and following, you know, basketball and stuff in the last thirty years or so. I have a theory about that, and I mean, we may as well, we're just kind of talking about the movie. Um, mm-hmm. So here's what I wanted to ask you. My theory is, and I don't think this is like me being some amazing detective. I I feel like it's pretty obvious, but the press is not painted particularly great in the movie. And we can definitely talk about the way they treated it. But I think if there is a real villain in the movie, I think it's us. I think it's the audience. I think it's the fans because they just were awful. You know what I mean? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Especially the, the, the Yankee fans of that era. But I mean, it it reminds me just that in no, I mean, yeah, and it's stupid that I have to say this because it should go without saying, no, not all fans are like this. But the nature of fandom as a whole, and we see it every day on Twitter, you know what I mean? And we see it with sports and we see it with movies and, and all kinds of shit. The nature of fandom is just so, it's ungrateful. I th- I just think we're ungrateful. And I think mm-hmm. that... Maybe one of the reasons this movie isn't bigger is because I think maybe it's possible that some people that watch it, watch it and feel a little ashamed (laughs) because we know that we're, maybe we're not that bad, but we've probably felt a little uncharitable towards the people that provide us entertainment or, or play these sports for our benefit or whatever. And Maybe they see a little bit of themselves in the behavior of these fans and they feel a little shitty about it. And so maybe it kind of holds them back from like completely, you know, recommending it to everybody and and the movie not being as big word of mouth as I would assume it should be because this is a great (laughs) fucking movie. You know what I mean? But maybe that's one of the reasons why people are a little hesitant to to speak its praises. And maybe I'm just talking out of my ass and not enough people (laughs) have seen it. But I do feel like that. I know I felt a little bad watching it. And, and remembered some things I've said, you know, online that is just maybe <laughs> not cool yeah. because, you know, you watch the way, like you said, if we're, if we're talking about specifically these Yankee fans, it's just pretty awful. And the way they made him feel and the way they pitted them or wanted to pit them against each other so bad. Which they, they were all over, you know, they were all for 
you know, Mantle. He was there. He was their guy. But Maris had come in later. He was not a New Yorker. They they just never really warmed up to him, and they didn't want him to be the one to break that record. Yeah, and basically treated him like ass the whole time. They were awful to him, dude. Yeah. Awful. And even the ones who were rooting for him were rooting because they felt sorry for him and shit. <laughs> um, and of course, you know, the movie didn't have time to, to show everything. I'm sure that he got plenty of fan mail from people that had followed him his whole career and just loved him as a ball player. Or people who saw him in, in New York the, the year before and were like, you're, you know, you. I just think you're a great player. That's how baseball yeah. should be played. And that's great. And he, he talks about, you know, he's going through fan mail and talking about like he's getting death threats and stuff. But I think Mantle was in the scene with him and he said, well, why do you read that stuff? Just put, throw those out. And Maris was like, no, I got to write the kids back. The kids send really good ones sometimes. Yeah, he said some of the ones from the kids are really nice. Yeah. Really good. And, you know, and that says a lot about him. And I want to get into Maris as a dude, or at least the way the movie portrays him in a little bit. But about the fans, it's just, I just feel like it's very, that's part of what I was talking about when I asked, do you think it's fair? I think it's very fair to kind of put the fans on blast like this mm-hmm. because they did do these things. And we are ungrateful, I think, a lot of times. These motherfuckers do it for us. These, you know, and people right. are like, oh, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. It, they wouldn't play in front of people if it wasn't for people, uh, if, they, if they weren't doing it for the audience. You know what I mean? Like they would just play for themselves. And yes, the, the luckiest of them do it because they love the game and they get to do it as a game, but they love the fans and they love doing it for the fans and it means something to them. And no, not maybe all of them. Maybe I'm romanticizing it a bit mm-hmm. more than I, you know, to what I want it to be. But I know that the best of them, And the whole idea of it is that's what it's about. And us ungrateful fucking fans, like the the tagline of the movie says, and it's in that trailer that you played, it's in the movie. Why did we only have enough room in our hearts for just one? Mm -hmm. Why couldn't we brute form both? You know, this guy played for their team and they were booing him because he was hitting home runs. (laughs) And he was, you know, he had been the MVP of the league the previous year playing for them. Yeah. It's just, it's mind boggling. This, it's just, it's selfish and it's, it's just, that's not what it's about, man. Mm. You know, and it just made me feel so bad for him. And I love the way that you can tell it's weighing on Mickey a little bit too, just seeing what, how unfair it is to his boy. And I love that they made it to where they could have dramaed it up. They have a fight in the movie and, you know, tensions were there was stress going on, man. Yeah. Tensions were high. It makes sense. But they're not painted as being at odds. Mm-hmm. And they both wanted that record, but... Of course they did. They're competing, but they're not doing it... They're doing it, again, the way that competition should be. It's good nature. They both want the other one to do well, not so well that they beat me. <laughs> <laughs> but it doesn't paint either one of them as the bad guy. You know what I mean? They're both just trying to make it through this shit and near the end they just both want it to be over you know and i what do you think about the way it portrayed that it could have been really easy i think for them to make them make it antagonistic like the second half of the movie they just hate each other (laughs) yeah i i appreciate the you know who knows how close to reality is i assume it's fairly close that you know they're pretty much stick together throughout the whole movie there there's you know like i said they have a fight they're at odds a little bit at times but for the most part they're supportive of each other you know throughout the entire movie to me that's it may not be as spicy uh, of an entertainment uh, no. choice but uh it makes to me it makes it a little more compelling uh, to watch the movie unfold that way with them just basically chasing history and fighting history more than each other exactly and i love that it is about the team you had mentioned the com- the camaraderie of sports 
movies early on. And that's what I really feel that in this movie, especially when you get beyond the core three of Mickey and Roger and Bob serve when they all go out to dinner or they're in the locker room or they're on the bench or whatever. And you get to see them all interacting with each other. You really get the sense that these dudes are all pulling on the same rope. They're all doing exactly what you want a teammate to do. All that shitty ass stereotype cliche shit that are cliches because that's the way it should be they're playing for the name on the front not the name on the back even a superstar like mickey mantle you got the sense that yeah he wants to do good for him but he loves his fellas i i love that about the movie um, uh you know going back yes. to the, the fans as like the villains uh which i, I think is an appropriate observation <laughs> um you know i'm a kentucky uh, basketball fan kentucky Wildcats, uh. and just a notoriously awful fan base. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, you know, I like as much as I love, you know, I've been a fan, me and my whole family, you know, have been Kentucky fans uh, my whole life. Uh, my dad has been one his whole life. He's 70 so or 78, actually. So it, it runs deep. But like the it's fan base generational is, just, is what you're yeah, saying. <laughs> the fan base is just awful. Every loss is uh, fire the coach. Uh, so it's easy to see like the worst of fans like who, you know, think they know better than the coach think that the, you know, that their, their ideas of how the team should play is, is superior than the guys making millions of dollars to make those decisions. Yeah. Like you see it on, on message boards and now on social media all the time and stuff. And then it also, like you mentioned, crosses into fandom for, you know, film, comic books, you know, all the stuff that I follow, like fandom is a disease almost. <laughs> it's and, gotten uh, worse too. Yeah, I mean, it, like the movie shows it's always, there's always been an element of it that's been yeah. bad, but oh man, these days, fuck. And I, I think the movie is also fair in the sense that it doesn't let, let the press off the hook because while the fans are freaking out, it's not helped. And in some cases it's made actively worse. It totally exacerbated to use a word that Sean learned in Sean of the dead, mm -hmm. the press painted roger as the villain in the piece yeah because they uh, needed to sell a, a villain <laughs> yeah you know and they kept trying to, to you know to promote a feud which you know leads to one of my favorite moments in the entire movie when roger is reading from the paper and is like and mantle and maris are now said to be feuding and roger and mickey's like we're feuding and roger says in the paper right here it must be true Mickey's <laughs> well fuck you then and it's just a real quick immediate you know and it just feels like the jibes that these good friends would have and yeah. it's just a great moment but it also plays into the larger theme of they're trying to turn them against each other and when that doesn't work they're just like well if we can make the public just hate roger and they do <laughs> you know <laughs> not to say the public wasn't very you know willing to go along with that narrative they're like oh sure we love mickey let's hate roger but the press the press fucked that dude pretty hard i mm -hmm. feel everybody yeah. fucked that dude pretty hard i was gonna Ask you talked about the guy with the X on the baseball, yeah, and how that was like a, a real thing that happened. And I was when it when it played out in the movie, I was curious. Did I, my assumption was the guy asked for an X on purpose so he could you know come back and complain about it? Oh, uh, but it could be that he he uh, you know Roger basically says I did it as a joke, yeah. and the guy ran off before I could give him a real one. So maybe that wasn't the case, but I just assumed it was like a, a shitty fan trying to cause drama when it happened. I don't know how, what the real story is. It could be. I from what I remember, I, I don't know if it's on the DVD thing or if I was reading about it. It, it was it was not hugely detailed. Mm -hmm. um, it was literally just very literal that the guy said to him, can I have your X, meaning your signature? You know, he was just using a colloquialism. And Roger, 
who was trying to present a, a lighter side of himself uh-huh. to the fans because they were telling him you need to loosen up, smile more, uh, stop being so serious all the time. This was his attempt at trying it, and as you see, he's just he's not good at that part of it. <laughs> He can be real relaxed and calm with his family, with his friends, his teammates, when he's just being a dude. But in the, the public, he's just not good in the public eye. He's awkward. And he that was his sense of humor. He yeah. put the X on there, and the guy snatched it away and disappeared in the crowd. And Roger was like, I was fucking trying to be funny. Yeah. And then, yeah, the guy did come back and go, this asshole, he just literally put an X on there. I made his signature. And Roger told everybody, I was I was trying to be funny. And they're like, yeah, well, it makes you look like an asshole. And he's like, great. Fucked myself again. Good, good try, though. <laughs> yeah. um, you know, I wanted to mention one thing that I like that um, they, they, they use it sparingly, but I like uh, how they talk about the superstitions of athletes. Uh-huh. Uh, like when Mantle moves in with, with Roger and Bob and uh, Roger makes these like terrible looking eggs. <laughs> and uh, he, he uh, tries to get Mickey to eat them. He's like, ah, oh, they look pretty bad. And he's like, hey, man, I, I Maris says something about I hit a home run every time I eat them or something like that. So the last couple of times I eat these, I hit home runs. Yeah. <laughs> and so Mantle tries them. And Bob's like, he, he keeps eating them. And Bob's like, you actually like those? And Mantle's like, no, they're shit, but I'm in a slump. I'll try anything. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and uh, then later, Maris's wife says something about when she was watching his game on TV she she moved her chair up to get closer to watch him at bat, and she said, oh, "I jinxed him." Like it even spread to the to his wife and yeah, the, the superstition thing. They're all like that. Yeah, baseball the most. I mean, sports athletes. I mean, athletes like that. Period. Are athletes are like that over all sports? But I know that baseball players specifically are. They're they're fucked in the head. I mean, it's <laughs> it's a sickness. It's yeah. a sickness. They do weird shit. I was just going to say those eggs are a fucking obscenity. I mean, (laughs) they're they're nearly blue, green. There's no, I mean, I don't know how you get that color of food without introducing, you know, dye into the situation. If he's using what I saw, which was eggs and bacon, he's putting fucking (laughs) Windex in there or something. Yeah, it looks, it looks like he just had eggs and they just, he just spilled some ink on top. I'm telling you, mix it all together. <laughs> they they look they look disturbing. They look utterly disturbing. And I and I do love that thing. And then later you see Bob eating them because it starts working for because <laughs> they're all fucking terribly superstitious. Um, but I think that speaks to another thing. What do you think about this? I think the movie is at times almost hilariously funny. Yeah, like, there's does a that lot surprise of surprise you that that it was so funny. Not necessarily because uh, Billy Crystal was you know directed it. You know, he, he, that's his, I'm not a huge Billy Crystal fan. I like him. But people know him. People know him because he's funny. Yeah, exactly. Um, But I don't think he made a comedy. The movie is not comedy. Yeah. It's It's, just, there's, yeah, there's, there's sprinkle in, you know, some really, really funny situations, funny lines and stuff. And I think he did it perfectly in the sense that it doesn't feel like he's shoehorning it in because he's like, well, the audience expects me to be funny. He Mm. just knows that humor just helps. It just does. You know what I mean? And he did it in, it all comes out of character. Sometimes it's funny because, yes, they're telling jokes to each other uh, in the way that athletes do or they're telling stories or yeah. you know, what have you. But a lot of times it's just funny character stuff like that. Like, no, they're shit, but I'm in a hell of a stuff. I'll try anything. And it's funny because it comes out of character or that will fuck you then. You know, it's, <laughs> it's, it's because of their camaraderie. 
and Billy, I think, just sprinkled that in so perfectly. And there's a there's a lot more of it than I was expecting. Even though Billy Crystal was involved, I was like, oh well, you know, it's a baseball movie. He's going to want to make you know a real baseball movie. He's a real yeah. director, and I think he did. And I think the drama stuff works perfectly. I that's all great, but. I was still very surprised that I laughed as much as I did and as hard as I did. Mm-hmm. And when the characters make those little jokes or have their comedic moments, maybe just a moment after being real dramatic or, you know, something they're caring about the weight of the season. It's like, wow, you know, it's really getting serious now. And then someone <laughs> will say something that'll just make you want to piss your pants because it's just funny shit. Yeah, I, I thought it was amazing. Moving on, I want to hear at least about these two. Let's talk about our two leads. Let's talk about our two leads. Tell me what you think about Thomas Jane. Tell me what you think about Barry Pepper. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, they were both great. I, I, I like Tom Jane in general. You know, there was a time, I remember there were, was an interview or something. I think it was around the time, maybe the time the, around the time The Punisher came out um, mm-hmm. that he was in. And he made a reference how he wanted to be like the guy taking the mantle from the big action stars of the 80s and 90s. And cool. it's kind of disappointing that that never really happened. You know, he had a few... Uh, roles in action movies and stuff. He never really he was never really had the career one. that I hoped he would have. And he was never. I never watched him in anything and thought, oh, he's lost it. And then when it didn't work out for him, I thought, well, yeah, he started sucking. No, yeah, he never no. started sucking. It yeah. just didn't happen the way I was positive it was. It was kind of like after the seeing the from. guest. Sorry to to do a little side thing, but I'm just making a comparison. When I saw the guest, I was like, Dan Stevens is going to be one of the biggest stars in the world. I would have bet everything I had on it, and I would have lost everything that I fucking had, (laughs) at least up till this point. But I thought it was going to happen within like two years at most. I was like, oh, obviously people are going to want to put this dude in their shit. And then that's going to be something that gets out in front of a huge audience, and he's just going to become one of the biggest stars in the world. Nope. Fuck you. <laughs> and I kind of thought that would happen with Jane. Yeah, I always kind of expected, you know, he he's in some really good movies and he's usually good in them. But it, he never really had a string of like big hits or big successes that, that was able to catapult him into an A-list type career. So mm-hmm. that kind of sucks. He he is awesome in this. And yeah. he I don't I've never heard. Uh, Mickey Mantle speak. I don't think uh, he, he's definitely got an accent he's putting on in this that feels natural, and he's got that blonde hair that I don't think I've seen him with in a lot of movies. He looks a little bit like uh, Steve McQueen with that hair. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he um, was much blonder earlier in his career. I think he does have blonde hair. I don't know that it's that mm-hmm. blonde, but yeah, I mean, so yeah, I agree. He looks a lot like, and, and from what I've heard of, of uh, Mickey speaking, he's very close. But yeah, he he's not. I mean, I think Barry Pepper really kind of steals the show as far as like who's the best in the movie. Fucking amazing. But uh, Thomas Jane is also uh, r- really good. Pepper has more more like uh, he's got to show a little more emotion. Mantle is more like a party guy. You know, he's kind of not taking everything as seriously, and he's not dealing with the weight of the world the way Pepper is because of the media on him all the time and stuff. Well, not to use too belabored of. Uh, uh, a metaphor, but Mickey is a movie star and Maris is a character actor. And I mean that as the characters themselves. I don't mean Thomas Jane is a movie star and Barry Pepper is a character actor, although I thought that's what was going to happen. I thought Thomas Jane was going to be a huge movie star and Barry Pepper would be one of the most beloved character actors around. And he is appreciated. I think he deserves to be much more appreciated and should have gotten a lot more shots. But Mickey, like you said, 
he's the he's the party guy. He's the movie star. He's the big the big personality. This big gregarious good old boy. You know, so much fun, so likable. You can tell why people love him. And Thomas Jane has that kind of charisma and plays it perfectly. But he gives him depth and character, and you know, you see that there's insecurity there. And even the moment where he gets real fucked up, the thing that ends that leads to him taking the apartment with Bob and uh, Roger, he gets fucked up, and they have to go bail his ass out after wrecking his car. <laughs> The next day, he's in the locker room, and Roger is talking to him. And you can tell he's kind of playing it off, and he only remembers so much. But, you know, his eyes start darting around the room, and he looks like a little kid. He's been caught Mm -hmm. in trouble, you know. And he kind of, the way he sits up and sits back a little bit, you just get moments like that where he gets to play not just a caricature or a type. He gets to play Mickey as a real guy, and he's great at that. But Pepper, like you said... Pepper Pepper gets to play a real guy all the time. Mm-hmm. And the real guy was a little difficult for a lot of fans to warm up to. He wasn't right. He didn't have the sound bite. He wasn't witty like Mickey. He wasn't fun like Mickey. He was the guy that after the game would say shit like, Well, you know, we gotta have all our guys out there giving a hundred percent and on <laughs> nights that you only give seventy five percent and you only got fifty percent of your guys giving that seventy five percent, well you're gonna lose a hundred percent of those games. <laughs> and everyone's just like, that's the most boring shit. Talk to me. Yeah. Tell me something. And they don't really know how to talk like that. Roger just was boring when it came to speaking like that. There's a great cut in the movie where he's being, quote-unquote, boring. Or he's saying, like, I don't know what you want me to do. Or they're, like, talking about how he has no personality. And it cuts to him with his kids, and he's juggling and making them laugh. And yeah, he's just got a big old smile on his face. And he's a completely different dude. But he's not like that. He can't be like that. He's not wired that way with the public. It's not comfortable for him. He shows up at his home in the midst of the race, and they're all outside his house, and he's immediately like, folks, this is my home. Yeah. <laughs> Get out of my house. This is my home. Slams the door in their face. you know. And I, I don't think he's wrong for doing that. Right. But Mickey would have joked his way up the walk with the guys. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? And that wasn't how Roger was. And I think the movie does a very good job of showing that that's how he was while not while being fair to him. It wasn't saying this, this is something that made him bad or this is – right. This gives the all the fans who are, are hating on him and rooting against him, this is all the justification they need. Look at this asshole. The movie's <laughs> like, no, no, no. He's just he's not wired that way. He's not built that way. But he's not a bad guy. Yeah. You know, why would you guys treat this guy that way? He's not a bad guy. And that's all on Pepper's shoulders because he he lets you feel all of it. He I don't know why he didn't fucking win an Emmy for it. He was nominated for a Golden Globe, but he didn't win shit. He's amazing in this part, dude. Yeah. I, I mean, I remember when the movie first aired on HBO, it was kind of a big, you know, it was a pretty big deal. But yeah, it hasn't had the lasting impact that, uh, that uh, you might expect a big sports movie like this to have. I am curious, like, why he didn't get more recognition at the time. I don't know. I know he started getting some pretty good gigs after this. You know, he was in the, the 25th Hour, uh, the Spike Lee flick, and he's great in that. You know, the True Grit remake. Mm-hmm. You know, there's there's a couple things you can point at, and he's pretty much excellent in every damn one. But I just I was positive he was going to get more of a shot when I saw this. I I had seen him in Saving Private Ryan, and he's great in that. But it's not a huge part. He's very good in it, memorable. You know, you remember yeah. the sniper character. I I feel badly for him that before this happened, so did Battlefield Earth. Oh yeah, 
But I mean, you know, a, a young up and coming actor in a John Travolta movie, a big budget yeah. thing. You know, you're you're going to take that part. Mm-hmm. Didn't? Yeah, I, I've never seen Malcolm, <laughs> but it's it's not his fault. No, <laughs> I think you can say that he did his best. You know, it's that movie's. Yeah. Oh my god. <laughs> I almost want you to see it so we can like talk about our suffering <laughs> and just commiserate with another human who's gone through what you've gone through. It's some shit, dude. It's it's as bad as everyone says it is. Not every not every flop is deserving of its reputation. Battlefield Earth 100% <laughs> earned every bit of vitriol sent yeah. its way. It's it's amazing that it exists. It really is. But that said, I I'm yeah. I'm kind of surprised like you said that it didn't the movie 61 didn't have just didn't become bigger. You know, when I like I said when I saw it, I didn't expect. I was like, "Oh, I hope this is good." And I loved it. I thought, wow, what a great movie. This is going to be, wow. I can't wait to talk to more people about it when they watch it. And I find people over the years (laughs) here and there, but it's not a thing. It's not a thing at all. I I, I wish it was. You know, uh, Pepper's performance, especially you talked about him with his family and stuff. Uh, You see a lot more, you know, of his personality and stuff in those situations. When it gets towards the end of the movie, when he's getting close, you know, at one point, Mantle, he he ends up getting a shot from uh, Dr. Feelgood, who I guess Uh is a famous physician of the time that had a lot of famous clients. Uh, I looked him up because they made sure to name drop him. And I was like, oh, that must be somebody that was known. So, but anyway, he, he gets this shot and he gets an infection in his hip. And man, when they finally show his hip or row it is disgusting Barreau. And like it's he like should have been in the hospital let it get that yeah. bad that 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 was requiring medical atten- medical attention like weeks before yeah the point I mean, it's just a, it's what like a two inch gaping hole you know and yeah it's just this open sore basically yeah. that's like the size of silver dollar pancakes there you go yeah you know what i mean <laughs> it's it's just this the skin is gone and you can like see shit underneath and it's yeah it's oozing it's pus over. it's disgust <laughs> so I he's mean, kind of taken out of the race because of that and when uh, when maris finally gets the chance he has the chance to break the record i guess there's i wasn't sure but it made it, it seem like he had a chance to break the record in the same number of games that Ruth played uh-huh. and he falls short. And part of it, it was because the wind, the wind and they, they switched up pitchers on him at the last second. Oh yeah. The knuckleballer. And you know, I, I didn't know the story and I legitimately felt bad for him. <laughs> like watching the movie. I was like, Oh, he didn't, he didn't make it, you know, and in, in just, just because, you know, I didn't want the commissioner to win. He was super happy when that happened. Yeah. And, you know, it was also interesting to see Babe Ruth's wife. What we see of her is not awesome. <laughs> but I mean, I understand it. You know, that's very I'm personal. Trying to look, Claire Ruth. That's what it is. Claire Ruth. Yeah. Yeah. She she clearly does not want the record broken. No. And, and you get it. Like it was of her husband. You know? yeah. yeah. And she's never openly hostile or awful. The worst thing is when she says, you know, babe would not be happy with the record right. being broken at all. And you can tell that maybe that's 100% true. But what she's really telling them is I hate that this is happening and I will hate it and hate you <laughs> if it does happen. Yeah. Yeah. And again, and I don't know who that lady that. was, and she's great in the couple yeah, of scenes. Really yeah, and it was it was a nice mirror to what was kind of going on with with uh, Maris's wife in the bookends when she's kind of watching McGuire break Maris's record and clearly conflicted about it. <laughs> yeah, he's not there anymore. The real Roger Maris had died from lung cancer at that point, um, which the movie is 
none too uh, shy on letting us see that he smoked yeah. like a fucking chimney, which is why he died of fucking lung cancer. <laughs> right. Um, also not shy about Mandel's vices. They're really, no. they don't, you know, hide any of that. And I appreciate the hell out of that too, knowing what a huge fan Crystal is, that he could have been wanting, his, his instinct could have been to protect his hero, mm-hmm. but he loves and respects the man so much. He was like, it's not fair to show him in any other light than the guy he was. And there's enough good about Mickey, the way that it worked in real life too, apparently, that, People forgave him. Yeah. You know, because he was still that lovable guy. You're like, yeah, he's kind of a lot and he fucks up sometimes. <laughs> he's pretty good at that. But, you know, he's Mickey, you know, and you also kind of understand it when you realize that he was doing a lot of self medicating, you know, for a lot of different shit, mental and physical things both. And, and I'm not saying that I condone that or like, you know, and that's what you should do, listeners. <laughs> that's just what I'm he did. That it's what he did. And I, I'm like, I get it. You know, I'm not saying it's the smart thing to do, but Christ, it's what human human beings do that shit. It's yeah. it's our nature. And Mickey fell prey to it too. And yeah, the movie the movie does not let him off the hook. Um, what did you think of Jennifer Crystal, Billy Crystal's daughter, as Pat Maris? I was curious about that when I saw in the credits. I didn't know if that was like his wife, which would have been pretty. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's, not, it's not unheard of that a, a famous actor has a much younger wife. So, <laughs> but yeah, she was good. You know, like you said, we don't see Manel's wife. I don't think at all. You uh, hear her on the phone. Yeah, but um, yeah, she she was really good as Mrs. Maris. I don't really have anything that stands out, but but yeah, she was good. I just I was really happy that she was good. You know, because yeah. I was like, oh, Billy, casting your daughter. Oh, right. man. <laughs> you know, but she was good. I, I don't nepotism, schmepotism for me. I mean, that's just whether it's right or wrong. Look, the world works that fucking way. People right. want to work with their families. They want to give their kids or relatives a shot. Fucking a lot of great stuff does come out of that. And we all fucking know it. Jamie Lee Curtis just finally won an Oscar. Her parents right. were famous actors. Are we mad that she won an Oscar because she's a Nepo baby? Fuck you. Some people fuck are. <laughs> and fuck them. I was actually going to bring uh, the Nepo baby thing up because I was going to bring up the Oscars later. when we <laughs> And we can get there. But I just, I, I, it's obviously, it's always good when they don't embarrass themselves by putting a shitty relative in there. And then the relative embarrasses themselves. And the whole project is a lesson because of it. I thought she was really, really uh, sympathetic and played the part really, really well. Like, I believe that she was, you know, what you would hope someone would be in that instance. She was just wonderfully supportive and understood that it was very hard for him and and yet was also honest about stuff that was hard for her because, you know, she was going through some shit, you know, and, it, it you know, she wasn't just the quietly suffering wife and doormat and stuff, you know, no, she had her own thoughts and, and he took her opinion seriously and listened to her advice and, you know, treated her good. And I liked their relationship and the way that they leaned on each other. And I just, I really liked the Marises in the movie. I thought, and I thought they did it well together. I like Barry Pepper and her together. I'm looking at her um, filmography. Not a it's whole not lot. not extensive. Yeah, mostly <laughs> voice work and stuff. And then some TV. She has quite a few TV credits from the like mid 90s up through like the late aughts. Most notably, 17 episodes on House. She had a recurring character, I guess, but oh, cool. not much since 2012, it looks like. But yeah. but yeah, she, I mean, based off of this, she's perfectly capable. I'm not sure. But yeah, she, she's good in it. Yeah. I was just pleasantly surprised. I was like, you know, it worked out good. 
Right. You never know how that's going to, you know, so uh, I've never seen Godfather three, but you know, people don't have good to say about Sophia Coppola. In it, so. Sophia Coppola innocent. <laughs> no, she's not great in it, but I don't, she did it because her dad asked her to. Right. And you know, she's not going to say no to her dad. She did it to try to help his movie. And he did it with the best of intentions. He shouldn't have asked her. <laughs> yeah. Um, in any case, it's, I don't she's think. She's bounced her, back, I'd say. Oh, yeah. She's done fine. Uh, not in the acting realm, obviously. Right. And she's not horrible. You can just tell she's not trained. She's not a professional actor. And, you know, you, you hire a non-professional, but you can't be all that upset when you get a non-professional performance. That's what happens. But anyway, I like Godfather 3. I don't think that she ruins it. And I'm glad that Jennifer Crystal Foley did not ruin 61, which I love. What do you think about the CG stuff? The backgrounds and some of the, the baseball. Very little bit of the baseball is fucked with. Uh, mostly it's the backgrounds and the stands. They're trying to recreate Yankee Stadium of 1961. You know, the, granted, you have to take these things into account because they are they affect these things, as we see. <laughs> it is a made-for-TV movie. It has HBO money, but it's still TV money. And there's a lot of stuff that looks great. They did what they could to apparently dress Tiger Stadium in Detroit to pass as the actual stadium when they're in a real stadium. A lot of it is shot in a real stadium. Mostly it's just the stands, the very distinctive, the sea green color that it had out there. And that's what yeah. Billy Crystal knew in his soul. He's like, that's where I was at right. so many days as a kid. I can close my eyes and see it. So we had them recreate it in CG, and you can tell it's fucking CG. Honestly, I don't I, care. Honestly, I never really noticed. I, I, the the only CG I noticed was you know the knuckleball coming at you. Some of the some of the baseball like actual the the way they were clearly doing a CGI baseball in slow motion and stuff. But the stuff with the stands, I never. I mean, I wasn't paying enough attention, I guess, to really notice. Yeah, uh, it looks good uh, enough that you just go, oh look. And then you move on if you're yeah, a I'm sure. adult who can be told a story and understand <laughs> that it's all fake. Yeah. Mickey Mantle and fucking Roger Maris were dead when these <laughs> things were done. So it's all bullshit. Just, uh, I get mad because some of the things uh, – I'll go look up to see things people say about 61 because I'm hoping more people are discovering it. And a lot of the things that people are saying are very good, very positive. It does make me happy. I wish there were more of it because I want more <laughs> people to see it. But sometimes you'll get people like, I couldn't really take it seriously because of the CG stands and blah, blah, blah. It's like, really? That's that's what yeah. you could? Okay. <laughs> I'm sure next time I watch it, I'll I'll probably notice that stuff more. But it, yeah, I didn't even really you know notice in the, the first time I watched it there. I think it's noticeable, but I mean, it's it's more noticeable if you're just staring at it if you're watching <laughs> the movie it's just there as background which is what it's supposed to be yeah. it's fine i just wanted to put that on the record of our podcast to let anybody <laughs> who might be listening who's like that movie's fine but the cgi ruins it fuck you i'm sorry i shouldn't be so antagonistic with our potential listeners but nah, i go for it fuck them i gotta be me <laughs> <laughs> i don't really know if there's anything else i wanted to ask you about bob gunton as the owner or the general manager. I was never quite clear on that. He, he was the big, the big guy. That's really I all I assumed he was know. the owner, but I'm not sure. But I did. I really liked the scene where he was kind of trying to. He, he he gently suggests, you know, switching up the lineup to the to the manager, basically because he wants Mickey to be the, the one having the better the better pitches, having the better chance of breaking the record. And and uh, the manager is basically like, yeah, you can do that, but uh, I'm not going to be the one managing the team if you do. Yeah. And just doesn't take like doesn't even give it any thought, basically. 
Yeah, you can tell he's all about business, but you can also tell it it, it is about business and it doesn't seem to be personal for him because mm-hmm. earlier in the movie, when Roger is slumping and they call him in for a meeting and Roger is afraid he's going to get fired because there's rumors that he is that he's heard about. Yeah. And the guy instead just wants to make sure everything's cool with him. Mm-hmm. It's like, hey, man, and, and by the way, don't worry about playing a complete game. I just want you to swing away and hit home runs. That's why I'm paying you salary I do. Just go out there and fucking try to hit home runs. Cool? And Roger's like, yeah, okay. He's like, cool. (laughs) And then he leaves and then uh, Ralph Houck, the manager, is like, we're going to switch up the lineup and, uh, you know, you're going to hit in front of Mickey. And that gets him out of his slump. And so it was really just about first it was making the team win and then later it was about, well, now that it looks like this thing may actually happen, who do we really want to win? Well, we want Mickey to win, so... That's better business, he decided. So, I mean, you know, I like that even though he is, at the end of the day, the shitty owner. Or I looked, and he he was the part owner and president of the oh, team. Okay. So, you know, he was just another fucking front office suit. But he wasn't a complete, you know, a 100% dyed-in-the-wool asshole. He was just a businessman. So he was good. I mentioned him before, but I do want to say again, Richard Mazur as Milt Kahn, the sports writer. I thought he was great. But that's... Mm-hmm. Richard Mazur. You expect yeah. it. Uh, same with Robert Joy is the little PR guy, the little nerdy looking PR guy. Very nervous and, you know, oh my God, what the fuck? That's just the vibe I got from him. He doesn't say any of that. I just felt like he was always about to like shit his pants. It was pretty cool. <laughs> yeah. You, again, Billy Crystal just had his casting director fill it up with little scene assassins. They would just show up, be awesome. And then the movie goes on. So, yeah. I was going to say, yeah. Um, yeah. Kind of, Wrapping up on it, I, I, I really liked it a lot. I, I really what I was going to ask you is what you thought about it. <laughs> <laughs> I think I've already, yeah, I mean, I, I it was it was great. I, we we kind of talked about that earlier, but yeah, it, it was awesome. The uh, the, the bookends, you know, they had the actual footage of, of McGuire uh, breaking, tying, and then breaking the record. And then him talking about, you know, how special it was to see the Maris family and to touch his bat on the, on the day he broke the record and stuff. And, you know, Mark McGuire... Controversial figure, I think, at this point, uh, somewhat anyway, in baseball circles. He was my one of my brother's favorite players as a when he was a when he was young when like McGuire was first starting out with Oakland and him and Jose Canseco, you know, they were the Bash brothers, I guess. So I knew a little bit about them, you know, growing up. And because St. Louis was the closest baseball team, you know, to where I'm at, I thought it was kind of cool that McGuire was the one that broke the record. And there were rumors even at the time, you know, that he was probably on the juice and everything. And then several years later, they had the congressional hearings where McGuire is basically refusing to answer any questions and just breaks down basically in tears. And on one hand, you know, as like a sports fan, like, fuck you, you clearly cheated. (laughs) But I did feel really bad for him in in a way being, you know, in that position, having to to testify before Congress. It was at a congressional hearing. I can't remember exactly what it was. I want to say it was Congress. Yeah. And him just basically turning into a puddle (laughs) uh, under the stress of it. But, um, yeah, as far as I'm concerned, Maris still holds the record. (laughs) I don't put a whole lot of stock in. Obviously, McGuire was a great home run hitter before, like when he was younger and smaller, you know, and steroids don't help your hand-eye coordination, you know, like it's still, it's still an amazing accomplishment. His career was great before, you know, he was most likely doing steroids. Uh, Same with, you know, Sosa and Barry Bonds and whoever else. But yeah, as far as I'm concerned, Roger Maris still holds home run record. And I don't actually, I couldn't, I shouldn't say that because there could be 40 guys that have hit 61 home runs by now. I wouldn't know because I don't keep up with baseball, but that's uh, true. 
I don't know about that either. A lot of them, I bet, were on the juice. And, and I feel kind of like you in that I'm conflicted. On the one hand, yeah, it's clearly cheating. On the other hand, I think that most of them do. <laughs> and that's the cynical <laughs> part of me. And I don't think that makes it right. I just think, you know, the, cynic, the cynicism in me is like, what the fuck are you going to do? I mean, I don't Right, know. if half the league is doing it, like you're putting yourself at a disadvantage yeah and <laughs> so no, I get the, you know if you ain't cheating you ain't trying i get that mentality too <laughs> that's the thing no real competitor is gonna see uh, another competitor have an edge that they don't have it's just that's how they are but i also agree with you 100 percent that steroids don't necessarily make you play baseball good you can either hit a ball or you can't you can either field or you can't but I mean, obviously, steroids do a lot for stamina and conditioning and all that shit. And that definitely does give you an advantage in terms of physical performance, not skills or talent at the game. But yes, there's all that. I don't fucking know. I mean, <laughs> I do care and I don't care. The, the the part of me that loves the spectacle is like, wouldn't it be more fun if they were all juice and let them all do it? But then, you know, we also know that it's not fucking good for the human body. Uh, and so, no, I can't really condone that. It's it's it is a complicated thing. It is not black and white. I do know that even before he admitted to it, or that it came out, yes, McGuire was juicing. I think we all fucking knew. Oh yeah. I saw him play when he was with the A's a lot because there was a big rivalry between them and my San Francisco Giants. You know, we even played in the World Series that one year, the Bay Bridge Series. And McGuire looked a certain way. And then suddenly he goes to St. Louis and he's a fucking monster who has a neck about the size of my waist. And he just, it was a completely different physical specimen. I was like, something's going on. And I don't think it's that he has a new dedication to the weight. Yeah, it's not a dedication to the, the weights. It's it's something else here, homeboy. Um, and then we all knew that Barry Bonds was fucking juice. And, and even though I I have been a Giants fan since I even gave half of a shit about baseball, I never I was never gonna. He didn't help us win a World Series when we went. I'll tell you that shit. You know what I mean? So the juice didn't fucking get us a ring. That came years later without fucking juicers. Thank you, Barry. Fuck off. I don't like Barry Bonds. Yeah, But yeah, so I mean the whole McGuire thing. And, but I won't lie, everyone was having a hell of a lot of fun that summer yeah. when he and Sosa were going at it. All my baseball-loving friends, they wanted to watch every game. I watched more than a few just to see what new development there was that day. It was fun, you know? It was, it was fun for sports. I don't know if it was good for sports, but... You know, it was good for baseball, uh, you know, the attention for, for a while. It was good for business. Exactly. In the long run, it was probably bad for the sport. <laughs> True. But, you know. And I think, yeah. and I may have, I don't know, I may have already actually said this earlier, but I think that whole hubbub is, might have been what made Crystal think like, well, let's not forget these guys and may have spearheaded him. Yeah. Getting this project going. I do agree with you there. And it's a very, you know, it, it's a very pure in terms of old fashioned entertainment of a movie. Current and contemporary in the sense that, you know, they say fuck. You know, they, they, it's, right. it's, a, it's not trying to be an old movie, but it's just, it's concerned with telling a story simply, clearly, enjoyably, entertainingly, in, involvingly, where you give a shit. Like you said at the point at the end where he doesn't make it in the original count of games mm -hmm. and you were disappointed for him, it's because you gave a shit. <laughs> right. The movie made you give a shit. That's a quality, uh, effective 
movie either. That's that's one that gets it done. And again, that's one of the reasons why I love it so much. I think it's really good at everything it tries to do. And I think the script is really good. It has to do a little bit of clunky exposition here and there to kind of keep the audience not involved, but to, to to let us know either where a character is coming from or to have context in a scene, blah, blah, blah. And you kind of have to stop. And there are points when it's a little clunky. Like I'm saying, you've got sports reporters telling each other things that they both know. <laughs> right. But they're saying it for us. And it's real quick. And we get that information so so we know where we're starting from or what, again, what the context is, why this is important, why this isn't. And then it moves on. It doesn't get bogged down and stuff. And I'm really thankful for that because I think it, it gives us just enough of that kind of stuff to follow it without making any of it boring. I'm, I'm impressed with the script by someone named Hank Steinberg, who I don't know anything else he ever did. Right. I love his script for this. I, I really think it's a really solid telling of this real life incident and again i'm sure they fudged some shit here and there and i'm sure they just flat out made some shit up it all feels real to me it all works as drama and as comedy and as entertainment so fucking two big ass thumbs up from your boy here (laughs) yeah Uh, there's there's a uh, a deviations from history few paragraphs on the on the wikipedia page i haven't read but oh yeah um, but like obviously they got to fit this season along you know what how long is it baseball season eight months <laughs> into yeah. a two-hour movie over a hundred fucking games bro yeah that's a lot of shit you could do you could tell that story over a season they had exactly two hours or right around two hours so i think they did a great job well that's pretty much all i got for 61 anything left unsaid you want to shout out before we move on you know here talking about it I kind of want to say it's the best sports movie I ever seen, <laughs> but I, mean, I, I also kind of think that's probably not true. I mean, Rocky and all that shit, but yes. in talking about it and just remembering and, and thinking about how great it is, it's that I could even include it in the conversation. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying that every listener or every person is going to agree and be like, oh yeah, it's definitely a top 10 sports movie. I'm sure that's not the case, but I think if you like sports movies or just like a good good movie, a good story well told, even if you're not interested in sports, the human drama in this is is well enough told and acted and dramatized that I, I just think if more people gave it a shot, they would find a movie they really, really enjoy. I think it's fucking great, man. I really do. And that's all I want to say about it. Agreed. Yeah, I, I liked it a lot. I'll, I'm sure... I'll probably try. I'm gonna probably try and watch this uh, with my dad sometime in the near future. A lot of he was he was around. He was I guess he would have been in his late teens when all this happened. So I'm sure he remembered a lot of it. <laughs> yeah, that's cool, man. That's yeah. I mean, that's what a movie like this is is good for too. Watching it with family. I mean, you, obviously your dad, but <laughs> I mean, I, while I did show it to my stepdad because he loves baseball, I showed it to my aunt too, a, another baseball freak, and she fucking went head over heels for it. I just think. I just think it's a it's a great movie, and I, and I'm I'm really glad to hear you're going to go watch it with your dad. That's the kind of shit people should do with it. Share it with people <laughs> you love. It's that good of a movie. Yeah, I agree. It's really it, it might be. I have to look at our list, but it's it's up there for for the best movie we've covered on on the uh, at least on the small screeners episodes so far. It's it's awesome. Oh yeah, one hundred percent. I'm sorry. So I asked you about your top three favorite baseball movies uh, in relation to uh, to this episode so what do you got in my number three spot field of dreams Mm -hmm. because it's the romantic baseball movie uh sports movie it's about sports as for what it does for your soul and all Mm -hmm. that stuff and it's 
you know, I watched it recently with my wife, Tiffany. I hadn't seen it in a few years. She had never seen it. And this is a woman who loves Hallmark movies and the sappiest shit you ever did see. Yeah. And Field of Dreams, which I love and adore, was too fucking corny for my (laughs) soft-hearted wife. She did not like it at all, and it broke my heart. (laughs) I ain't mad at her about it. I, I'm like, <laughs> I get it. It's a corny ass movie, but I, it works on me. It's the kind of corny that I'm a sucker for. Like, I I bought into it 100. percent Yeah. Um, and it, I just it just moves me. I think it's great. So there's that. I'm gonna make these as uh, fairly quick because they're just you know everyone. I mean, what the fuck can I say about Build the Dreams? Everyone right. Fucking Build the Dreams. If you love it, you love it. If you hate <laughs> it, you hate it. I mean. If you haven't seen it, I guess it's possible you don't like it. My wife was just sorry. I was going to get <laughs> sad about it again. But yeah, Field of Dreams. I I fucking love that movie. It moves me. It makes me laugh. Another one that was a lot funnier than I expected when I saw it as a kid. Amy Madigan is fucking fire in that and cracks me up. Uh, wanted to fight the lady at the uh, the town hall meeting. That's great shit. Dancing around in the school uh, locker hallway. At the hallway of the the school by the locker, she's yeah. like shadow boxing and shit. Anyway, that's a great moment for Field of Dreams. Watch Field of Dreams for more great moments like that. <laughs> um, in my number two spot, The Sandlot. Mm. That's about falling in love with sports and what it can do for you as a kid and, and the way it can stay with you the whole rest of your life. And the way that a lot of people think of sports as the kind of thing that isn't for the outcasts but to me the sandlot illustrates how not just sports but i mean in the movie it's sports and that's very true these are a group of outcasts who play together because they don't really fit in with any of the other teams they're all kind of weird mm-hmm. fucking, you know uh, geeky or or you know just unfortunately at the time the black kid you know they were it's like it it's the losers club you know what i mean yeah and they they find that friendship and camaraderie uh, of the outcasts in this baseball team. And that's beautiful, but it also loves baseball and loves summer and loves being a kid, being stupid. And it's as much about, you know, doing stupid shit like chewing and swallowing, chewing tobacco and getting <laughs> sick at the fucking fair and being chased by a big ass monster dog and all mm-hmm. that kind of great stuff. It's, it's the, the, the childhood memory baseball. And then of course, my number one is 61. Cause it's just, it's about the game and it's about the business of the game and it's about more nuanced aspects of the game, but it's so satisfying and rewarding and it does have the great things that great sports movies have, you know, characters to root for, like you said, little uh, setbacks that break your heart or disappoint you or you go, ah, and you feel bad, but then you get victorious moments and all. 61's got all that shit. Everything that we talked about over the last hour and a half, it's all there, man. It's all there, y'all. That's why 61 is my number one. Awesome. Yeah. Um, if I were making a top five, uh, 61 would almost certainly land in there. It, I, I like it that much. Are you saying it's not in your top three? <laughs> it's not. Are we gonna ha- is our podcast coming to an end on air right now? <laughs> I do have one of your top three, but not that one. Field of Dreams, I've seen. I was probably a teenager, like early teenager, the only time I've seen it. I have heard a lot of people talk about how corny it is, but I don't remember enough about it to have a strong opinion on it one way or the other. It's just sincere, genuine, and heartfelt. <laughs> I believe you. I believe you. 
heartless bastard. Uh, I uh, I will throw in an honorable mention, uh, which is also a Costner movie, For Love of the Game, which is half of a really good baseball movie. The baseball stuff is great. The uh, love story stuff is not so great, which is about 60% of the movie. But um, all the baseball Am stuff is really good. I'm really, really glad that I did not end the podcast with you just now. I am so proud of you and your strength to throw for love of the game out there like this. Hey, this is why this is why I'm proud to call you my co-host because you <laughs> you're you're true to yourself, man. Ramy Ramy knew the baseball stuff. The other stuff, not so much. <laughs> but um, a lot of uh, for love of the game is that like camaraderie stuff because you know he's trying to per- throw a perfect game. His arm kind of gives out late in the in the game, and his teammates are basically like, "We got this. We we're, we're here for you." And and the fielders to kind of take over and and make sure he secures the, the perfect game. And I, I watched it again last summer, and like I said, forty percent of it is really good. But um, anyway, my top three, uh, I do have Sandlot on there, uh, which came out uh, perfect time for me anyway because I think I was twelve maybe when it came out. And watched it over and over as a kid. And then maybe five years ago, a local theater was was showing a throwback screening of it one summer. Uh, and I took my nephew to watch it. He was probably 12 or 13 at the time. And it was cool to take him to see that. Um, cool. Like you said, a perfect perfectly encapsulates uh, a summer neighborhood kid summer movie. The uh, I don't, And my three are not in any order. But uh, Sandlot, <laughs> uh, Major League is uh, is another one. Haven't watched it in a while, but that was one that was in heavy rotation on HBO and Cinemax and stuff in the early nineties. So yeah. I really got a kick out of that awesome cast, Charlie Sheen, when he was actually awesome. Uh, Wesley Tom Snipes, Berenger. Dennis yeah. Haysbert, Tom Berenger, Wesley Snipes. I'm like, Oh yeah. Really, nice Hayes. <laughs> uh, really fun movie. Like I said, I haven't seen it in a while, but I remember it being hilarious and I've been wanting to revisit it for, uh, for years and I don't have it. I'm sure it's on a streamer somewhere, but, and then my last one, a league of their own. Um, oh, okay. Tom Hanks, Gina Davis, Madonna, Lori Petty, big, uh, pretty awesome cast about the, uh, the women's baseball league, during the World War II era when baseball had kind of shut down. Really funny, really heartfelt, and just a great baseball movie. Mm. Uh, and a great movie about, like, uh, sibling rivalries and redemption for, like, Tom Hanks' character, sort of. Um, just a great movie. So that's my three. Sandlot, Major League, League of Their Own. Uh, obviously, I'm with you on the Sandlot. Um, I really love Major League. I mean, that's one I haven't seen in a few years, too. But, but I've probably seen that at some point. Like within the last, like maybe eight years ago, I remember rewatching it and it held up. It was funny. And I was rooting for the, you know, the Indians, which is an amazing <laughs> thing. Yeah, it's fun. I'll bet it's and, been at least 15 years since I've seen Major League. Yeah, it had probably been 10 years or so since the last time I saw it when I did rewatch it. So I get it. But you should rewatch it. It's fun. And that's probably streaming somewhere, too. I think League of Their Own is on Amazon because they do the TV show now. Right. But oh I love a League of Their Own. I have a, a copy of that myself. That's great. Just a good just a good movie. Any so Marshall directed. One of her best movies easily. Yeah, I think that movie's fucking great. You picked good movies, Christopher. <laughs> yeah, and like I said, if I did five, I'm sure sixty one would, would be on there. I thought about doing just sports movies. Ish, that's hard. But <laughs> but uh, I, I decided to zero in on, on just doing top three baseball movies because there yeah, there's so no many. way I could have done three sports movies. I mean, and there are more baseball movies than any other sport, probably about five times at least. I mean, they're just, it's, 
partially because the the sport is older than almost every other sport that is popular uh, in America. And it's America's pastime. Yeah. I mean, you don't want to watch communist movies, do you? <laughs> well, yeah, you can watch Miracle, motherfucker. Okay, okay. Oh, asses. All right, all right, all right. <laughs> um, that, you know, Miracle is a movie that I really like. Uh, the trailer is better than the movie itself, I think. That, mo- that trailer had me so pumped up to watch Miracle. And Miracle's good. I liked it. But, man, that trailer was epic. I think Miracle's really good. I think Gavin O'Connor directed a better sports movie when he did Warrior. Oh, no question. Which I think is a fucking five-star banger. Um, no question, as far as I'm yeah. concerned. Uh, around that time, though, Disney was putting out some pretty good sports movies in the early aughts. Um, I, uh, Miracle is really good. I don't like it as much as The Rookie, which mm. I fucking love. That Never one, saw it The might, Rookie. Oh, it's fucking great, dude. If, if I was doing a five-spot baseball movies, The Rookie's probably mm. there. Yeah, I love The Rookie. And then they did uh, Invincible, the Mark Wahlberg Eagles movie. Yeah. I think that one was fucking great. I just like that kind of shit. <laughs> you know what I mean? I'm a mark. I ain't going to lie. Yeah. I'll fucking own it. That's that's the kind of shit. I'll, I'll sit down and watch your bullshit. If that's the kind of bullshit you're trying to give me, I, I have a taste for it. Bring it on. Yeah, Miracle, Miracle's good. I like Miracle. Well, before we get out of here, I was going to talk to you a little bit about the Oscars, which were a week ago with this, as of this recording. I don't really give a shit about the Oscars in general. My tweet that I, I retweet my own tweet every Oscar season, which is uh, Harrison Ford has never won an Oscar. So if you are wondering if the whole thing is meaningless garbage, then yes. And I pretty much stand by that. But I actually was happy to see a movie I really love get a lot of shine on the Oscars. Obviously, everything everywhere all at once kind of dominated the night, I guess. So Yes, uh, it did. And deservedly so. I'm right with you. Agree. Yeah, I think we both picked it as our, our favorite movie of last year. Uh, we did. And I was, you know, the, the big, I guess if there was any controversy... The biggest one was Jamie Lee Curtis, which we kind of mentioned earlier. She won for Best Supporting Actress. Personally, I would have, like, if I were ranking the three performances that I think most people, like, I don't even remember who all the, who the other nominees were, but I would have kind of ranked them Stephanie. Is it Stephanie who? I don't know if it's who or Sue. Yeah, I wasn't sure. But I think she was probably the best. Uh, And then Angela Bassett and then Jamie Lee Curtis. And Jamie Lee Curtis won, and that's awesome because Jamie Lee Curtis is awesome. <laughs> yeah, she had a great speech, and I don't care that she's a nepo baby; like that shit doesn't no, bother me fun. at all. Yeah, uh, she's Jamie Lee Curtis, man. Yeah, it's she's, just she's earned our love and respect. <laughs> yeah, and you know the nepo baby thing; like I get it, I understand why people there's like a backlash against that type of thing, but also like most of those people are talented because they have talented parents. And there are some, you know, industries where that's probably a bigger deal in the entertainment industry. I don't think it's as, as much of an issue. No, and I, well, don't I think shouldn't say should... not as much of an issue. I, I care less. I'll say it that way. I think but, if your job is like working in insurance, like maybe your <laughs> talent at being great at an insurance agent isn't the same as like genetically passing down the talent at acting or singing <laughs> or playing football or what have you. Because right. it happens a lot with athletes and it happens a lot with people in the arts, writers, painters, uh, singers, uh, directors, what the fuck have you. It just, it does, we have seen so many examples of it. It does pass down in a lot of cases. Some cases, it really fucking doesn't. 
<laughs> but by and large, those people, we get all mad because we see it in the world and like, you know, some pale son that you worked <laughs> under for 10 years because his daddy owns the company and he's the worst yeah. boss you ever had and, you know, all that shit. But generally, if you can't hack it, they stop giving you movies. They stop yeah. letting you record albums. They stop <laughs> passing you the ball. You know, those you, you right. if you suck, you suck, right? So getting that shot, yeah, sometimes it's like, oh, that only happened because, you know, she's her daughter or, you know, he's fucking that guy or whatever. Whatever <laughs> the fuck it is. Right. Whatever it is. The talent is what keeps you there for the most part. Yes, there are exceptions to the rule and they're all horrible. But for the most part, they're there because they deserve to be there. And Jamie Lee motherfucking Curtis has proven over a long career that she deserved to be standing on that stage. And what I tweeted when it happened was I would have given it to Stephanie 100%. I think she gave the best performance in that category. I think Angela Bassett was fantastic in Wakanda Forever. And I understand being disappointed that she didn't win. But the facts of the matter are, those two people didn't win the fucking award. They just didn't. Yeah. You, know, you know who did win? Jamie Lee Curtis. And Jamie Lee Curtis is fucking awesome. We should be happy that Jamie Lee Curtis has an Oscar. I am. I can handle it. You know. And I saw a lot of people very, very upset. And they had reasons far beyond my piddly-ass personal reasons of thinking, Jamie Lee Curtis is rad, and I'm happy she has an right. Oscar. They had lots of things going on while they were mad about it. And you know what? That's fine. But sorry. That's not that's <laughs> not how it worked out. Okay? Yeah. <laughs> it just it doesn't work that way. Maybe right. be like the rest of us and, and or a lot of us and learn how to uh, ease up on the Oscars a little bit. You, you will be much happier if you give less of a shit about what happens. <laughs> believe me. Yeah. Because I used to care a lot more than I do now. Yeah, there was a very brief window in the late 90s, uh, early 2000s, when I, you know, kind of watched the Oscars and cared about that kind of stuff. But it was not long before I was like, I don't give a shit. <laughs> Half of these movies, I'll probably never even watch. So, <laughs> yeah, it's not, it's not I, I still care a lot in the sense that, like you, exactly like you had said, I was invested in everything everywhere winning because it was my favorite movie of the year because it moved me it means something to me that movie and so yes it's cool to see when it is recognized for being something so awesome and and to see other people uh, acknowledge that of course i like it i think it's awesome to see it get that love if it hadn't had one if it hadn't won anything i wouldn't love the movie any less yeah. So it really doesn't it doesn't affect my love of it, but I'm happy to see it. Uh, yeah. Same with Shape of Water. A couple of years ago, I love Shape of Water, and it was really cool to see something that you just they're very similar to me in the sense that they're both very weird, fucked up movies that aren't the kind of movies that win Oscars. Yeah. By and large, <laughs> right. I loved them both, and both of them won big Oscars, not just weird technical shit. And they're weird fucking movies. <laughs> yeah. And so, of course, also the perverse side of me loves the notion that the same way that The Shape of Water had plenty of people who were like, I know it won Best Picture, Mom, but that's probably not for you. <laughs> and then they have to sit down with their mom because mom insists and they yeah. have to sit there in the room when they explain how the fish man's dick works because he's <laughs> going to fuck the human lady. And you have to sit there in the room with your mom while that's happening. And you look at her and you're like, I fucking told you, mom, mm -hmm. that's happening right now somewhere with the butt plug. <laughs> right. And the giant dildos yes. being used, uh, yes. as nightsticks, basically. <laughs> and I, I will also say this and, and, you know, I don't hate on the people who said it. I just disagree with their opinion. 
I respect their opinion. I just don't share it. There were people I saw online this weekend who have finally caught up with everything everywhere because of the Oscars. And they were like, the movie would have been better if it wasn't for all the sophomoric humor. Yeah, I saw this. Other people were like, (laughs) yeah, you know, without the butt plugs and the hot dog fingers. And I'm like, in my opinion, that doesn't work. Mm -hmm. And I'm not saying you can't dislike it. I'm not saying you can't say, I feel the movie would have been better without it. What I'm saying is you can't wish for those things to be gone. You can believe it would have made the movie better, but you can't be like, oh, that shouldn't be in the movie. It wouldn't be the movie. Those are part and parcel with the movie. The movie, as important as the dramatic emotional stuff is, you have to accept that for whatever fucking reason, the butt plug is just as important to the Daniels. (laughs) It is. Right. The hot dog fingers, the googly eyes on the rocks, that shit is just as important as where Stephanie and Michelle's characters find themselves with each other in their relationship at the end of the movie. Raccoon is just as important. So to say that you should remove those from the movie, you can't, that would, that's killing the patient. You know what I mean? You can't, yeah. you can't take it out of the movie. It's baked into its DNA. Just say, I don't like those parts of the movie. You know what I mean? <laughs> right. Just yeah. say those parts didn't work for me. And I and I and while I'll say it's okay, you can say they should take them out. I don't think you can. I think you're wrong in that <laughs> in that feeling. I don't think you're wrong to feel that way. I just think it's it's just an incorrect stance. <laughs> you have every right to be wrong. I just think it is wrong. Yeah. Yeah. I think if you just for me personally, you take out a lot of that stuff. You know, I, I would if some of that stuff were not in the movie or t- toned down. Uh, would I still like the movie? Yes, I would, but far less. I think that it's all works together to to make kind of almost a perfect. It's it's obviously very wacky and zany at times, but that's I, part of the DNA of the movie. Like, yeah, I think they <laughs> that's inform part of the story they're telling. Yeah, I think the emotion informs the zaniness, and the goofiness informs the heart. I think it's all it's all crucial to the movie. I think. To want it gone is is just as wrong-headed as saying, I love all the goofy, weird shit. I wish the whole movie was raccoon and flying on to <laughs> butt plugs and martial arts and shit. And who cares about how this fucking chick is with her mom? And oh, I don't give a shit about any of that. Or, oh, I would have loved you no matter what life. I just wanted a life with you. That's boring. <laughs> Screw it. You know, and, and if you said that to those people who were like, take out the fucking, uh, you know, the googly eyes... And you said, well, what about the opposite? They would go, well, that that would just ruin the movie. Okay, well, the reverse is true, too. It's only so far removed, I think, from the horrible type people out there. And thankfully, I didn't see a lot of it. But you know they're there because most of the main characters are of Asian descent. There are Mm -hmm. people that'd be like, why did it have to be an Asian family? Why couldn't they be white? (laughs) And it's like, because that changes the fucking movie, bud. You know, this this does have to do with Asian mothers and daughters and their relationships. And it's it's integral. It's integral. No matter how you say it, it's that thing. It's important to the story. And I think to say to change it, it's it's not any different to say, get the googly eyes and the butt plugs out. <laughs> Believe me when I tell you, I understand the butt plug being, I, I don't know if I could watch that movie with my mom. I mean, I know I could. <laughs> I just know I'd be kind of side-eyeing her during that moment like, yeah. Is this is this going to be a deal breaker? Am I going to have to press stop on the blue? <laughs> is she going to nope out right here and now? But, yeah, I don't know. I just, I wish people could be fairer. Yeah, I think I saw the same the same uh, discussions that that, uh, that you're talking about. And, you know, it's it's from people that I, who I like on Twitter. Yeah. So, but uh, I, I, just that's, I mean, I respect them. <laughs> and again, not just because I like them. I do like them. I, w- I would consider them friends more than I would not. I just don't, I just don't think that's correct. 
Yeah, I, I think it's incorrect. I agree <laughs> with it. I stand on the other side of the road. I don't but, wish uh, them to get hit by a car on their side. I'm just going to flip them off from mine. <laughs> no, yeah, I'll just wave cool and be see, like, "Ah, you're wrong." It was cool to see. You know, the 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 best thing about the Oscars uh, was the uh, getting to see the speeches from Michelle Yao and and Ki Kwan and. Uh, I don't think I ever saw the Daniels acceptance speech actually for for theirs because I was just seeing stuff on uh, Twitter like clips and stuff. Oh, cool to uh, see yeah. that movie make a big impact and hopefully it leads to bigger things for for a lot of the cast and and the directors as well. It was it was awesome. I loved the movie and that was a welcome almost sweep for them at the Oscars. <laughs> I mean the the only reason they didn't win Best Actor is because they didn't have anyone up. Yeah, and I mean I think if they did, they probably would have lost to Brendan Fraser because they you know he was due. He had the best story, and I'm, I have not seen the movie. I don't know if I will. I don't really have any desire to. I'm sure he's great in yeah. it because Brendan Fraser is great, and I know he gave his all, so I'm sure he's worthy of it. But yes, it was great to see Everything Everywhere win. I saw his acceptance speech, her acceptance, uh, both Michelle and Jamie mm-hmm. Lee. I saw theirs. I didn't see the Daniels, but you know what? If, if I was a betting man, I would bet that it was quirky. Oh, no, no question. I, I bet they said some kind of. <laughs> some some quirky things and, and did some quirky <laughs> shit and i and i give them shit because that's just who they are but and it's kind of fun too but i don't i'm not mad at it i know they have a picture like from after after you win and you go back and you give a little speech like in, to the press and they take pictures and stuff and then you get to go back and sit for the rest of the ceremony there's a picture of them and they're they've tossed their yeah. oscars into the air and man is that making some people salty <laughs> Good. Yeah, that's how I felt. I was like, be pissed. Fuck. Yeah. Joyless fuck. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> that was kind of well, harsh. Well, if we uh, <laughs> wrap up, just going to throw out a few things I've seen recently, mostly because there's one in particular I wanted to kind of talk to you about. And I saw Scream 6. It. It's great. By the time we record again, hopefully it'll be streaming. We can talk yeah, about it a little more in depth. It. Yes, yes. I enjoyed it. I thought the climax left a little bit to be desired. But three-fourths of the movie, I was loving it. And then the ending's just so-so. But overall, it's a worthy addition to that franchise. Fantastic. Uh, I watched Shazam, which apparently is pretty underwhelming as far as the box office. And I don't think it's gotten super good reviews. I thought it was as good as the first one. I really enjoyed it. Not a You're going to have to forgive me. I completely didn't understand what you said. What movie? Oh, I'm sorry. I, I watched Shazam, Fury of the Gods. Shazam, gotcha, yeah. gotcha. Which I thought was just as good as the first one. Cool. Um, not doing great business, not getting great reviews, but I thought it was a lot of fun. And I think that's probably the last we're going to see of just Sam based on the way DC is doing their, their film stuff now, but really liked it. I watched cruising for the first time, the William Friedkin Al Pacino joint. Uh-huh. Have you ever seen cruising years ago? It's some shit. It's yeah, it's a, it's a crazy movie. I liked it quite a bit. I need to rewatch it because I was watching it with a friend and we were kind of talking over each other towards the last half hour. So I'm not sure I caught everything, but it was a, it was a free, it was one of Friedkin's that I hadn't seen. So I was excited to finally get that checked off. Uh, and it's, it's, uh, it's an intense movie. And the last thing I really wanted to talk about was Miami blues, because that's one that uh, you had mentioned last episode we recorded and I got a special delivery of a Blu-ray of Miami blues uh, so I got that this weekend. Appreciate it. I thought it was awesome. I, I was not sure what to expect because I'd never even heard of this movie. But Alec Baldwin and, and Fred Ward, that, that was enough to get me interested. Um, and they're fucking phenomenal. In yeah. It. <laughs> they're great in it. And it's very like, you know, we mentioned, I think it was our last episode, we talked a little bit about Elmore Leonard's 
uh, like crime fiction in the movies that have been adapted from this stuff. And I got that sense from this. It was, you know, set in Florida and it had sort of a kind of a strange tone where it was a little it wasn't really comedic, but it was kind of lighthearted. And then there would just be like a splash of like really intense violence. Like kind of out of nowhere. And Fred Ward kind of stole the show as, as a uh, police officer who was uh, trying to f- to track down Alec Baldwin, who was like just a scumbag who had stolen his badge and gun and was like basically catching criminals in the act and then stealing their wares uh-huh. <laughs> underneath from underneath them. Which at, at one point I was like, how much crime is in Miami in the early 90s? <laughs> like he's catching people left and right. Um, All he has to do but is walk down the street so. and at least catch a, bur- a purse snatching. Yeah, or a robbery or whatever. Yeah, Yeah, it was really good. I liked it a a lot, and I appreciate you recommending it. I'll definitely be checking it out again. Apparently, it was Baldwin's first, like, starring role in a movie. Uh This is cool. Like, full-on leading man. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And you get to... Jennifer Jason Lee is also... Oh, she's excellent. She's playing a kind of part that she damn near had a patent on at that particular point in time. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, there's a reason why. It's because she's great at it. And it's nice to watch a movie from that era. Like you said, Alec Baldwin being given a shot to lead a movie mm-hmm. and be reminded Alec Baldwin was, was fucking on fire as a young guy. Yeah. It's not like he's not suddenly shitty now, but you know. It even 30 rock is some years past us now, right? You know, they are not giving him stuff on the level that he was able to show his talent, right? Like he did back in the day. At any rate, you could tell he's he's young, he's hungry, he's wanting to prove something, and he does. He's great in that, but of course, the old veteran, the grizzled vet, Red <laughs> Ward, who is playing, I think, a bit older than he actually was at the time, and definitely more grizzled than he really was. He's more put together than that. And it's funny you mentioned Florida because it seems like a lot of crime writers who enjoy crime stories with a little bit of quirk or humor in them set their stuff in Florida because Florida is fucking crazy. You know, yeah. you have Heisen, you have Elmore Leonard, you have the guy who wrote the book that Miami by uh, Miami Blues is based on a guy named Charles Williford. I have not read his stuff the way I know I should have because I, I have heard nothing but great stuff about his books. Apparently, they're all kind of like this, a little noir, a little mystery, crime, weird characters, funny and I know that the Fred Ward character is in a couple of them, the Hoke Mosley. Oh, really? Yeah. So I'm sure those are worth reading. I'm really glad you dug it. That's great. I'm excited to see uh, Scream 6 because it's a Scream movie and they haven't made a bad one. I hope I have fun with Shazam. I loved the first one. The reactions I have seen are not as glowing as yours. Right. <laughs> where they're like, you know, even if it's a person who's like, I thought the first one was good. I'm not really seeing anyone say I liked it as much as I liked the first one. Everyone's saying not as good. Even the yeah. people who do like it, most of the people I'm seeing aren't really into it. It's not, I don't really give a shit. I just hope I like <laughs> it. I hope I hope I have fun and enjoy myself. So I'm looking forward to it. Uh, anything you've seen lately you want to shout out? Um... Been watching a lot of the Buster Keaton shorts on the uh, Criterion channel because that's fucking awesome. But as far as new stuff, I watched that new to Hulu, the Boston Strangler movie with Kira Knightley and Carrie Coon that they dropped uh, Friday. Yeah, that I want to see that. I haven't watched it yet. It's fine. It's good as opposed to bad. I'd give it either three or three and a half stars, depending on my mood in the moment. Everybody's very good. It's it's well done. It's just missing. I think I was tweeting that it's missing the spark that makes a good movie or or makes a, a an adequate, well done movie into a really good one. I'm glad I saw it. I think, you know, even, you know, you would watch it and be like, yeah, I watched that. 
I'm glad I did it the one time. I don't know if I'll ever need to see it again. I don't know if I'll ever need to see it again. Probably not. But it wasn't bad. Carrie Coon is really good. It's interesting. Yeah, it's fine. It does feel like it belongs on TV. I don't think it's the kind of movie that would have played well in theaters at all. Yeah, I thought it was a, a series at first, but I guess, yeah, it's a movie. It would have worked fine as a limited series. You know, it does feel very, you know, like a prestige streaming thing. But it's fine. You know, I I didn't hate it. I didn't love it. I'm I'm glad I saw it the once. It it entertained me enough for an evening. You know, and shit, that's that's a decent hope. <laughs> these right. in, in these uncertain times. I guess that's about it. Rewatch stuff like Die Hard with a Vengeance. Uh, still my least favorite of the four diehards, even though I do like it very much. I just like the other three better because yes, what I'm saying to you is there are only four diehard movies. <laughs> I'm with you. But I still I still do like it. And I tweeted about that and I had a whole bunch of people tell me that it's their favorite after the original or it's flat out their favorite diehard movie. And that's mm-hmm. just crazy to me, but that's fine. It's fine. <laughs> you know, it's much like people going, oh, this Halloween movie is my favorite. And it's like, not not the first one? Okay. Crazy, but okay. You know, hey, you do you. So yeah, a lot of people love Die Hard with a Vengeance, and I do really like it. I just don't love it the way other people do. Um, yeah, it's probably my favorite aside from the first one. And you know, I would mentioned on Twitter, I just listened to the I Read Movies podcast where they cover the novelization, and uh, really want to watch the movie, and I can't fucking find my DVDs. I have all four the uh, Die Hard DVDs, and I can't find any of them right now. So Dude. And it's not streaming anywhere. So Dude, that's a tragedy. I know, but I'll find them. I'll track them down. But um, the only other thing I was going to ask you about, and then we'll get out of here, The Last of Us. Did you finish up finale? You bet your sweet Kentucky ass I did, Christopher. <laughs> uh, yeah, I thought they uh, stuck uh, the landing pretty well. I don't know how they could have done it better. Yeah. I have no idea. <laughs> but I mean, I could say that about the whole the whole show. Yeah, I don't think it could have been done better than what they did. It fuck, bro. It's an amazing thing. I'm so grateful it exists. Yeah, I uh, I really liked it. The finale just mild. I'm just gonna throw a spoiler wall up. If you haven't seen the finale, this is the last thing we're gonna talk about. You can skip to the end. Yeah, Joel going on just an absolute rampage reminded me of of a uh, Jack Bauer uh, on 24 <laughs> rampage where he would just go nuts and murder you know 13, 14 people in, in a span yeah. of two minutes. And just uh, into just silly ass action mode, just action hero. And, uh, you know, given him, I think making the choice that most people would make, I'm sure there's definitely arguments for like, yeah, you sacrifice one person to potentially save the human race, basically. But like, he's not going to let that happen to what his, he basically sees as his daughter at this point. They're not going to kill his daughter while he has breath. That's just right. that simple. And they had kind of set that up, I think, it, without, I mean, maybe they meant to, but earlier she was like, we're not going to quit. We're not going to do this halfway. Otherwise, it was all for nothing. We, we go to the end. And, you know, his job wasn't over. He had to protect her. That was his job, was protecting her. He wasn't going to stop with the job unfinished. He still had to protect her, and he did. I love it. I think it's great. I understand it's wrong to murder people, <laughs> but I I am not the pe- – you see people online, Joel is the villain. Don't you understand? Yeah, I just don't. Like, I don't have time for you. <laughs> Especially when you're, like, you're in a position where like, there's no way to know if that – is going to work. Yeah. You're, you have a chance like this doctor thinks he has a, has a way to, but like, you know, who knows? The only thing he does know for sure is that if he lets him do it, she dies. Yeah, exactly. That's a guarantee. And that's not a guarantee he's okay with. Yeah. So no, I, I think it's 
Excellent. And I think the way it was filmed, I played the game. Did you play it all the way through? No, I've never played it. Oh, okay. Well, that's what happens in the game, right? Yeah. And it was the first time I ever played a game where I was invested in a very specific way. I have cared what happens in games. I have rooted for certain outcomes. I have been upset when certain things didn't happen. But most of the time, it's like you don't, you get mad if you die because you have to do something over. But at the end of the day, you're like, I just start over and do it again. This time, I didn't want to die because I, I had to get, I had to save Ellie. I was invested. Yeah. I felt, I didn't believe I wasn't in a game or anything like that. I understood. I'm not crazy. But <laughs> it was important to me to save her, to get to her. I didn't want to die. I wanted to to save this kid. I was 100% invested in a way I hadn't been in a game before. And I think they shot it and presented it perfectly because I had not the exact same feeling, but it was a very similar one where I was I wasn't doing it. I wasn't performing the tasks and and controlling a character, but I felt like I was with Joel, like, let's go save Ellie. I'm right here with you. We gotta go save her. And the the importance of it felt very similar to what I felt when I played the game. And I didn't ever think that they I just thought you know, I hope they show it in a way that's cool or involving or exciting or hardcore because, wow, this is a crazy, he's fucking killing everybody. And then you watch it and I was like, this is done perfectly. It's just long enough. They didn't drag it out too long. It's not too short. They made everything just as clear as it needs to be. It has just as much impact as it needs to have. It's just as exciting, I guess you'd say, quote unquote. Woo, this is fun. Even though it's like <laughs> murder, like he's slaughtering these people, right? Yeah. But, you know, it's kind of exhilarating in an action movie way, but not enough that I felt bad for being like, hell yeah, kill them. Motherfucker. Ooh, that was cool. <laughs> you know, I didn't feel like some bloodthirsty ghoul. I was just like on his side, like, go save your daughter, bro. Let's go get that chick. So, yeah, I thought it was perfect. Yeah, I thought so, too. I, I, it's one that I'm eager to, like, go back and watch the, the full series again. And you especially know, the moment... as a non-player, I think that's great. Yeah, and there were a few times, most notably when he's in, I think it's episode three, where he's in the window with a sniper rifle, picking people off while Ellie's trying to get to safety, you know, after that building collapses and all the infected come out. That seemed like, oh, that's probably pulled directly from the game. That's probably something you had to do in the game. But for the most part, it didn't really, there wasn't like distracting stuff that seemed like it was, you know, some people complain about movies being set up like video games yeah. well the characters have to do this task and then that leads them to this that stuff doesn't bother me at all but i can see how it could be distracting to like people who play a lot of video games maybe but, but yeah the, mo the the show worked for me and the the moment like for the doctor you know when he finally gets to the operating room and the doctor's like i'm not gonna let you take and then he just immediately shoots him in the <laughs> yeah. and he basically does the same thing with the character whose name i can't remember that confronts him in the garage the kind of leader where he shoots her and puts ellie in the trunk and she's like basically begging for her life and he's like you just come after her and then you know he kills her as well so it's pretty powerful finale i liked it a lot yeah i think it's great and it's funny you mentioned the whole structured like a video game thing because the other pedro pascal tv show is very much structured like a video game Talking about mandalorian. the mandalorian yeah you know it's all very task oriented this episode you got to go here and do this and this episode we're on this adventure you know it's just very but i don't that doesn't bother me that kind of that kind of thing does not bother me at all as long as i am entertained i don't give a shit <laughs> that's what it's there for exactly well, I guess that's pretty much all we got for this episode of Small Screeners. AJ, you want to let people know where they can find you on the internet? It's mainly Twitter, at Haunted Gels. 
is my handle for AJ's The Haunted Jills of Mario Baba. Yeah, movies, music, bullshit. Come say hey. And you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at BrodyMan34. You can also hear me on another podcast uh, with my buddy Jesse called Unspoken Issues, where we talk about 1990s comic books. And you can follow the show's Twitter and Instagram pages at Small Screeners. Be cool if you could leave us a rating and or review on your podcatcher of choice. And next month, we got another, you know, I think this is another HBO movie. The Kiefer Sutherland, Reese Witherspoon joint Freeway. Yes, indeed. So we'll leave you with yes, the trailer Yes, indeed. We'll leave you guys with the trailer to that, and we'll talk to you guys next month. You don't Peace. bother your own wife bring off all them strange guys for money. I make her use mouthwash after. Oh, you like that minty fresh taste, huh? Like Sheriff's Department, you're under arrest. You're totally fucked. Just after you left, the pigs came and pinched Mom and Larry both. And my, my parole officer showed up like a motherfucking plug to take me off the foster care again. It's like last time. So, uh, what did I call you? I'm sorry, my name is Bob Wilby. You think Bob's been killing all them girls on the freeway, Bob? <sighs> trying to think I'm going to shoot you so many times. You know, you should just let me out of the car when I asked you, Bob. We are not here to talk about me, Vanessa. We are here to talk about you. Goddamn hands off my mouth, No, uh uh-uh. You get all that panic off the car, you're really pissed. Claustrophobic. Yeah, well, I think claustrophobic sucks a strange dick. Get in there! Drug addicts. Fuckers fuck their daughters. Drug addicted motherfucking whores with their bastard fucking arms. I ain't no trick, baby. Why are you doing this? Pissed off. The whole world owes me. Is that you, Bob? I, I, I can't believe such a teeny wee little gun makes such a big mess out of someone. <laughs>